We stand before you, Lord. Kids can go. <laughs> if they can just, Mary and Christine, if you can just sing that chorus when I tell you to sing it again. But I really feel the, the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit right now. See, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. <clears throat> and He guides us into all truth. And he, it's not just in the Word He guides us into truth for us, but He guides us into the presence of the Father so we can worship Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit's job is not just to, to manifest the kingdom on, on earth and, and to manifest our prayers. He's there to teach us how to worship our King. And it's right that we give thanks and praise. It is right that our souls are filled with His almighty love. Because when it all boils down at the end of the day, we can come out with theology, come out with theories, we can come out with scripture and genealogy and, and, and prophecy, but at the end of the day, you, only, you can only worship the one you love. See, if His love doesn't draw you to Him, then you don't know His love. If you come to Him in the state of fear, you don't know His love. If you come to Him to get a need, you still don't know His love. Because when we come to Him, we come boldly to the throne of Christ. Why? To receive His love. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. He manifests Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak of Himself. He only speaks of what He hears from me. And whatever I have, he gives it unto you. See, sometimes we've got to get off the pedestal. We've got to get out of the way. We've got to stop thinking of ourselves. Someone said to me once, what do you, what do you sort of, you just always got to smile. He goes, you know what, because I don't take myself too serious. When it's about me, it's only about me, what I can do, and what's he doing for me, and what the world. You know what, get off the pedestal and worship him. He's the head of the body. Let Him flow through you. When you understand it's about Him, only about Him, the Holy Spirit is not our lapdog to, to go and do this and do that. The Holy Spirit is God. And He lives in you. And in you there's a swelling. There's got to be a desire to worship Him. You know, I have to say, don't tell me about what you know. Show me what you know. Amen? So we can sing that last chorus again, then we'll get straight into the Word. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We never forget the finished work of the cross. We humble ourselves before you to hear what your Spirit has to say. Father, you are speaking to us. Let us have an ear to hear what the Spirit of grace has to say. We thank you for your wonderful mercy and grace. 
we declare Jesus is Lord over this place now. The Lord over our ease. Master over our hearts. That we are submitted to Him. That if you do not know Him, you will know Him. For every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether here on earth or up in heaven or in hell, you're going to declare Him Lord. So Lord, we thank You for Your wonderful grace. We thank You for Your wanting to, wanting to speak to Your children today. We honor You, Father. We thank You for Your wonderful mercy on our life that You loved us. And we give You all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Weapon. Hallelujah. Just quickly, praise God. The tidal wave left. Um, the kids. <laughs> Isn't it good to see kids in church? We're going to make a place for the kids as well, eh? Um, just on well, before I start, um, young Calvin, our little brother in the Lord, he's, uh, he had an issue and he ended up in hospital. And uh, from all reports, he's doing good. Yeah, praise God. All reports so far coming back good. Um, they thought he had a seizure. And if he's listening, Calvin, if you're listening, <laughs> turn it up in the hospital. And uh, we love you, bro. We're praying for you. And uh, we believe in you're going to get out of the hospital and no, no, no repercussions, no, nothing there. So in, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord. Because it was, he's actually born on my birthday, so he's anointed. So uh, praise God. So uh, we spoke to him yesterday. Raps visited him. We spoke to him and, and he's doing really well. So praise God. Maybe he's out of hospital tomorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. Devil's a liar. Amen. We don't accept what the devil throws at us. Amen. We only, we only accept what Jesus throws at us. See, we've we, we got to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and God favors us. And our minds have to change. And where in times gone by, it takes time. No, we've got to make a decision. I want to change now. But see, if I try and change, guess what happens? I'll do it for a while, but then my self-will takes over. Next thing you know, I've fallen. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to change me, and that means surrender. That means oh, I've got to let go of the steering wheel. I've got to let go of the, the reins and let God speak to me. Amen? Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Let's get into it. So there's a passage of scripture we're going to read today. I think Pastor Rabs has preached, Pastor Dorian's preached on this, and it's, it's a pretty common scripture about the Samaritan woman at the well. And I want to touch on this tonight. I want to share and break it down in a little bit, in a bit of depth, hopefully, that you'll get something out of it. And drinking from the waters of life. Drinking from the waters. Now we know that a lot of the stuff in the Bible is symbolic, yeah? So we've got parables, we've got allegories, we've got... Histori history, we've got poetry, and we've got symbolism. And we've got, obviously, his history, which is the truth. And sometimes we can get caught up on things because we don't understand this and I don't understand that. But here, Jesus um, comes to the woman at the well, and for us who live in Sydney, Australia, maybe we don't know the backdrop of certain things. Uh, why... People said certain things in the, in the Old Testament and why they said certain things in Jerusalem, which don't really make much sense to us. Remember the blind man Bartimaeus? Who knows blind Bartimaeus? He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And people would say to me when they first read the Bible, why, do they, why is he referring to him as the son of David? Jesus is the son of God. If anything, he's the son of Joseph on the earth, but why son of David? Then, you know... We have to look back, okay, well, they're using an antidote. Like, you know, in, some, in my culture, they might say you're the, you're, you're the son of the village or the son of this family, referring to you, you're a son of that family line or a, a young girl from the village, she's a, she's a family girl or a village girl, meaning that she's a family girl. They'd say these different antidotes to refer to something. Well, the Jews were no different. They say the son of David, meaning that the Messiah one day would come as a king and he would come from the line of David. And so he, he recognizes the prophecies that Jesus is healing people and he was blind. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. Just referring to him from that line of prophecy that was supposed to come from the line from Judah. And then we know that Jesus came as a king 
through Judah in Bethlehem. David was born in Bethlehem from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. See the symbolism? You with me? Okay, we can go home now. Thank you very much. Let's go to the football. So here, let's teach a little bit on this, the Samaritan woman. So I'm going to get AJ to read. So it's John chapter 4 and verse 3 to 26. Now, there's a, there's a, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to challenge everyone here that we're not going to the screen anymore. So there's a series I'm going to do about the fire and the flame. And what we're going to do, if you want to participate, is, I don't care how you read it, but you're going to bring a Bible, you're going to bring a notepad, or you're going to bring your iPhone, iPad, i-something, uh, whatever gizmos they got these days. But you're not, it's not going to be up there. It's going to be in front of you. So I'll let you know when we're going to do that, because I want you to really... It's time to get out of the baby chair. Give it a play. It's time to eat lamb. Sorry to the vegans out there. It's time to eat um, smashed avo, all right? Whatever you want to do. It. All right. Ready, please, Mr. Music. All right, yep. So, John chapter 4, verses 3 to 26. I'll list all day. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, so he just, sorry, he left Judea and departed against Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am He. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we've, you know, you've watched the, 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 you've read the stories before if you've been around long enough. And now Jesus, he, the Bible says he had to go to Samaria. So where he was traveling from, if you go back a few chapters, he was in Galilee and uh, in Canaan for the wedding there. He was at a, at a wedding and he ch- turned the water into wine. And here you know, he says, I have to go to Samaria. Now, if you understand the culture of the day, the Jews in Jerusalem didn't like the Samaritans very well. And they would not go that way if they didn't have to. But he went out of his way to go through Samaria. And it's interesting. 
in those days, the women would go get water from the well early in the morning because it's hot in those days. It was hot and they would go and carry the water and see that girls, the women went and got the water just quietly, but that's for another subject, just quietly. <laughs> All right, Janet? So when you get a phone call next time and says, can you stop and get some water from Woolworths? I say, listen, there's a well at Coles. And it's not joking, all right? But here, she's there in, in, in it says the, the sixth hour, which is midday, middle of the heat. Now, Jesus goes there. Now, we can go about a million different ways here. But you have to understand the, the typology here. Now, Jesus comes to the well, and he's talking about natural water. But then he says, but I have water you never heard of. He says, well, give me this water. But you don't have a bucket to draw out of. And we know that he's starting to bring a natural analogy into the supernatural. Then she straight away says, because I've heard a million, million sermons on this, that, you know, she had five husbands, she was not living right, which is true according to the scripture, and the husband she's with is not a husband. So Jesus says to her about the living water, and then he says, go get your husband. And I think, and even years ago, I used to think, what's, that? what's the point of that? I'm talking about water, and then go get your husband. Obviously, Jesus knew who she was, what was happening in her life, and she answers him correctly, I don't have a husband, because that's true. In other words, I've never married anyone, I've just lived with them. He says, I don't have a husband. He goes, and the one you're with is not even your husband. So in the natural sense. But let's go a little bit deeper. He's not talking about just marriage and divorce here, like some people want to do. Let's go a little bit deeper. So my mind works like that. I'm a picture person. I'm a person that likes to get some spiritual meaning out of it, not to change the scripture to make it fit me. But if you go through Genesis chapter 24, uh, you can go to uh, where Moses married his wife in um, Genesis chapter 2. You can go to Isaac in, in, um, in, in Genesis, sorry, uh, Isaac in chapter 24 of Genesis. He found his wife Rebecca at a well, at the, getting water. Uh, Jacob found his wife Rachel at a well. Moses found his wife at a well. So if you look back symbolically, the well was a place of a meeting place. And God used that well analogy to introduce people. I think Jacob's wife was chosen by the servant, speaks of the Holy Spirit going to get the bride for Jacob. We can go a million ways down that road. I can show that to you. But for the sake of time in the grand final, I'll speed it up. And I didn't say that. Get, edit that. So here's a well. And now Jesus is coming. He just left the wedding. He has going to a well. Now, he's, so what, what am I saying? That Jesus was trying to find a bride? He was. He wasn't coming to trying to find a bride, the Samaritan woman, to marry. But he loved the Samaritan people. Now, a little bit of a background. Who's heard of the Good Samaritan story? So every time Jesus wanted to tick off the Pharisees, he'd use the Samaritans. <laughs> I love Jesus. So if you dig into people, it's okay. Jesus did it, all right? And he, here he says to them, the Good Samaritan, he left he left Jerusalem and went down to Jericho, which meaning he's leaving the promised land and going into the world. And he gets beaten up. But here, Samaritan woman's minding her own business. Jesus does a detour and speaks to her. Because the Samaritan people, something happened. So we, if you understand the history of the, the Jews, they got judged a few times by God for rebelling. Or they got overrun a few times. So their temple got destroyed. And they were scattered. And... Samaritans at the time lived in Judea, in Samaria, the village called Samaria. And the problem was that when they got overrun by the Assyrians, hello Assyrians, modern day, in those days, I pick it on the Assyrians every week, you know. You seem to come up a lot here, so, so make sure we watch these people, all right? <laughs> Next thing you know, we'll have this thing, what do they have, this half man, half thing? But the Samaritans got overrun by the Babylonians, and then Samaria became a Babylonian city. And what came with that was the leadership of that turned the place into a Babylonian and made shrines to their gods. And so now the Samaritans, some stuck to the faith, some said, you know what, forget this, where's God in our life? And they went away from the, from the faith, the true God of Yahweh. But some said, no, no, we can mingle the two. We can still worship God, but then let's change the images. And, and, and you know, so when we light a candle to this or we do a sacrifice to this altar, it's still Yahweh. Isn't that a very dangerous place to be, isn't it? 
What happened to the Israelites when they come out of Egypt and then they built golden calf and still called it God that took us through the fire, took us through the sea? Very dangerous. It's called idolatry. But Jesus is doing something a bit deeper here. He's asking them for water, and he says, "But I have water you'll never thirst, because this water you always drink." And it's interesting because we've we've made her to be a real hopeless lady, many husbands living a bad life, but she seems to know a lot about God. She come up and said, "Well, hang on." What are you talking to me for? First of all, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, meaning, and you're a male and I'm a female. So first of all, you Jews in Jerusalem don't like us. Second of all, you shouldn't be talking to me. So what are you doing here? He says, well, our ancestor says, Jacob, our father, built a well on the hill and we all drank from it. And that's where we worship. But you say that the temple is the place to worship. Which one is it? I love what Jesus says. Not even on the temple or not even on the mountain. There were coming to time when you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. He's saying all these external worships doesn't satisfy God. They're a picture of what's coming. The picture of what was coming was that God will be able to die on the cross and give us his spirit. Our spirit would come alive and now we can worship God in spirit and in the truth of his word. Because before then, we're giving lip service to God. Everything in the Old Testament was a shadow and a type pointing to the truth. And then when Jesus came, he put the Spirit of Christ in us. What did I just say? And that was by the Holy Spirit, was that I can't worship God unless the Holy Spirit leads me into worship. Hello? See, my spirit is of him. I have partaking of his divine nature, Peter says. So now my spirit is born from above. Now, my spirit man, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm in the flesh. I've got some issues to deal with. I've got a soul to deal with. I've got natural mind to deal with. But in my spirit man, I can worship God in purity because it's like him. The Bible says we see that in heavenly places now. Oh, how can you be that? You're trying to be God. No, 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 I'm not trying to be God. That Christ had to die on the cross and took on the nature of Adam, mankind. And he killed it. See, unless Jesus was crucified, he could never be multiplied. See, we try and do religious activities to get to God. And Christ came to us. And he says, you know, not only that, I'll take what you have and I'll put it upon myself. So in order to I take on your sin, your shame, your guilt, so I can give you my spirit. That's why he says you must be born again. That's all it means. Water won't change it, although baptism is important. And laying in the hands won't change it, although that's important. And communion won't change it, although that's very important. None of that's going to change unless your faith is not in him and receive what the finished work of the cross. Now, this Samaritan woman knows a lot. She says, well, our father Jacob this, and you guys do that, and you shouldn't be talking to me. But look at this. Let's go to 2 Kings. He says, you've had five husbands. Now, what does the water got to do with the husbands? If he was saying that you're in sin because you've had many husbands, many divorces, you can't drink of this living water. But Jesus says, I have water that you'll never thirst. She goes, give me this water. So maybe she's excluded herself by her lifestyle or maybe by her religious belief system or what someone has told her who she is. Because she already knows that those Jews over there, the hierarchy, the, don't like us. So we're already outcasts. But Jesus is saying something totally different now. He's a male that shouldn't be talking to her. He's a rabbi that shouldn't be talking to her. And he's a Jew from Jerusalem that shouldn't be talking to her. And let's see why. See, her mindset was of what they thought they were. Let me show you something. 2 Kings. In 2 Kings, to show you something. So the Assyrians, let me read this to you. I put these notes down so I wouldn't forget the Assyrians raided them and they took over. Here we go. And now they're in the, their, their village and the, the Babylonians are in there. And instead of sticking to the truth, see, we're in a time now like these. We're in a time now where you're getting thrown at you so much stuff and how many Christians are going to stand firm in the truth and not compromise the truth? How many of us are going to say, well, you know, Jesus wouldn't do that, so let's just accept a lifestyle that we shouldn't be accepting or doing things we shouldn't be doing. But Jesus still loves me. I'm under grace, yeah, but I'm living like a hell, from, a, from a person from a pit of hell. But I say Jesus still loves me. And you think, you know what? The two don't marry up. 
We're coming into a time where it's going to be illegal to say what I just said. And here, this is what happened. So what happened? Well, don't worry. Let's just conform to the pattern of the world. What does the Bible say? Don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the pattern of the world says you've got to look good, do good, smoke good, do this. They go do some kill ups. Hey, film me, bro. Film me. <laughs> and then tell everyone about it. See, now we tell everyone our life. When I grew up, if you look through someone's window, you're a peeping Tom. You get arrested. Now you tell everyone everything. I wonder why my house got robbed. The devil's after me. No, you posted that you're in Europe for three months. And there's nobody in my house. I hope someone's watering my garden. They're like, heavy duty. He's walking out, drinking their beer. Hello. You told everyone. But that's beside the point. <laughs> However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in shrines on high places, which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in these cities where they dwelt. The men of Babylon made Sokoth, Banoth, this is going to be great. So I made fun of Rabs last week, so it's more. And the men of... What's that? See that? I tricked you. You've got to tell me. Cumberland. And, and the men from Terrigal. No, Rilligal. And the men from Hunter's Hill. And this one. All right? You get the hint. Next verse. Bro, I got... When I read it at home, it was easier. Neb has made Tartak and the Sephir Riverines burned their children in the fire to Abramek. Anyway, the, the gist of the story is there's five pagan gods. There was the five pagan gods there. Every city made a god a shrine. They made a shrine to that god. The last one, look what they did. They would burn their children in the fire as a sacrifice. These are Samaritan Christians. They come from the tribe of Samaria, which was the brother of Joseph, who taught them about the one and only true God. And these same people now, after a bit of tribulation, they went down this road where they started to burn their children to the God. And you can't tell me people won't fall that far. So now the Samaritans now started to intermarry, marry outside and start to worship these gods. Their cities and the cities made these gods. There's five of them. Isn't it interesting that Jesus comes to this woman and says, you have five husbands and there's just five pagan gods. Because but hang on, there's five there. What was he saying to her in the spirit? He's saying to her, you've got five husbands. She may have had five natural husbands. But doesn't Jesus is a good, he just tries to, he wasn't just coming after the Samaritan woman, he was coming after Samaria. He says, you have five husbands. She goes, I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> he says, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Because what had happened when they rebuilt the temple, and, and Jesus, they were worshipping in the temple, the Samaritans came back to the faith in a sense. But they came back with all their garbage. They came back with the foreign wives. They came back with that. They wanted to worship back in the temple. They wanted to come, but they understood that they'd been polluted in a sense. They'd been mixed, mixed blood. And, and, and Jesus knew all this. And she knew this. And she's saying, but you shouldn't be talking to me. And he says to her something amazing. And I want to go back one step. The, 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 the kings of Assyria introduced pagan gods, and they accepted it. And some justified it by saying, you know what, just do it. Just do it and we still worship God and we'll do this and we'll do that. See, if you start to dilute what you believe, you start to compromise what you believe, you'll not know what you believe later. See, every covenant you make, if I make a covenant with a, that's a, day for an, a teaching for another day, if I make a covenant, spiritual covenant, religious covenant, I eat from the fruit of that covenant. If it's not of God, you're eating from that fruit. You're drinking from that well. Covenant, what's marriage? Covenant. So he's using an analogy. This woman had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. He's speaking of covenants. Who was the sixth husband? 
if there was five pagan gods, there it is, Madak, I'm not going to bother reading them because there's five. She's standing before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And in the story, you see, I perceive you're a prophet because she knew her sins in her mind. They've come back to the faith now, but the people in Jerusalem don't accept them because they know their history. And they're happy that they've come back to the faith, but they don't like them. And they pick on them. That's why Jesus used who, to, the, to, the, to the scribe, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself because who's my neighbor? He told them about the Good Samaritan story because they wouldn't have liked that story because he was a Samaritan. He says the priest couldn't help and the Levite or the, or the, the teacher of the law couldn't help. They didn't want to help, but a Good Samaritan came. And at the end of the story, he goes, now who, was the, who's your, who did well? He goes, the Samaritan, because you go do likewise. And then he talks about the Samaritan woman here. So they've come back to the faith. Now they want to try and worship. Because look what she said. She says, where do I worship now? Because we say we worship here. Our forefather says worship here. So she wants to worship God. She wants to come back in the right place with God. He says, but you say we have to worship in Jerusalem. What she was saying is you don't accept us there. But our forefather, Jacob, worshipped here. Which one is it? And he looks at her and says, sweetheart. Didn't say it like that. I'm just putting the emphasis. It's coming the time. And now is the time that you'll worship God in spirit and in truth. Because God desires such worship. And God was saying here to her, if you look at through the old days in Jerusalem, every time Israel went off track, what would he say, God? Who remembers what God would say to him? She's committing adultery against me. God recognized Israel as his bride, the apple of his eye. Always. He said to Hosea, Hosea is a prophet. You've got Elijah, you've got Elisha, you've got Isaiah, you've got Ezekiel, you've got Jeremiah, you've got all these prophets. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because everything he prophesied was judgment. They wanted to put him in jail because they got sick and tired of him preaching judgment. He says, but I don't want to preach this. Every time I get a prophecy from the Lord, it's judgment. Why? Because they were living in rebellion. Then you got Isaiah prophesying the coming of the Lord. But Hosea, the poor guy, he's, come here, you're a prophet of God. Praise God. What's my agenda? Go marry a whore. Sorry? He goes, you need to go marry a whore, a woman of the world, and your children will be children of a whore. That's what the Bible says. Whoredom. Imagine getting that job. Imagine saying, wow, God called me to be a prophet. Hey, uh, mum, dad, um, God called me to be a prophet. <laughs> We've been praying for you. Uh, I have to go marry a whore. <laughs> what? What God did you listen to? It's, read it. Boaz. Not Boaz, um, Gomez. He goes, go marry. He goes, but why, Lord? Because I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to marry because then you're going to have to keep your eye on her and watch what she does and be unfaithful to you. But I want you to keep loving her because I still love Israel, but she's becoming a whore to me. That's heavy, eh? He says, you do that. And you know the story of Gomez where she ends up leaving him and going back into her lifestyle of whoredom. And he has to go and buy her back. <laughs> but I used to think, why do you have to buy her back? That's your wife. But in those days, once you sold yourself to slavery... Even if it's your wife or even if it's your children, you have to buy them back. He goes and pays for his wife from that industry. And he has to bid against someone else. Because over there, they were like auctions. He goes and buys her back. And the Lord spoke to me because that's what I had to do to you. I had to send my son and buy you back with his precious blood. You're always mine, but you have sold yourself to slavery. The devil had just bound. And he bought us back with the blood. And here he's saying to her here, you understand those stories, but you still understand me. The one that stands in front of you now, I am he. I am the Messiah that you're waiting for. I'm coming to marry you. Because the sixth husband, you know who he was? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the person. But in the spirit, guess who the sixth husband was? The law. Because they've come back to the temple. Now they want to go back to the law. And they say, we're going to be right again. It's okay. But you're not letting us worship, so we'll worship on the mountain. He says, even he's not your husband, because the law still can't save you. You know who's going to save you? The seventh husband. 
Jesus. Because then out of you will come rivers of living water. John chapter 7. Becky, I think I'll send it to you. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The great day of the feast was a traditional Jewish feast. But the last feast where we come to is the great wedding supper of the Lamb. But the wedding supper of the Lamb is that one day we'll sit as the bride with the bridegroom and celebrate. It's the same picture here. He went to the world to find a wife. He wasn't finding a physical wife. He wanted Samaritans to come back into the fold. He says, but there's coming a time that no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what things you've done in the past, where have people have put you, I'm going to bring you back to me because the blood of Jesus is going to wash you and I'm going to marry you and make you one. And then out of you will come rivers of living water. Have you seen someone go through something and they say, yeah, oh, he's very bitter. The marriage is very bitter or that business partner just left with bitterness. Speaks of thirst. Jesus on the cross. Let's get to Jesus on the cross. Chapter 19. John chapter 19. And again, another scripture says that they shall look on him whom they pierced. After this, Joseph Aramaeus, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take... Um, his body, and Pilate gave him the permission. Is this the right one? I'll give you. Get next verse. There is no next verse. Okay, wrong scripture. Let's get it back to John chapter. John chapter four, verse fourteen. You have to understand something. Sometimes we look at scripture and, and face value and we need to. But what is the Holy Spirit trying to show you in that value? Why was it so important to bring the husband out? For whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, he'll never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of spring, springing up into everlasting life. See, when Christ came to you know, there's a scripture in John 17 and Jesus prays and he says something. He says, Father, I've completed the work you've sent me to do. This is Jesus praying. He goes, halfway through the prayer, he's praying for you. He says, Father, I have completed the work you have sent me to do. Now glorify me in your presence with you, with the glory I had before the world began. In other words, take me back to my rightful place. I have completed the work you have sent me to do. And I always often wonder, go, but he hasn't gone to the cross yet. Like he hasn't gone and died yet. This is before the cross. This is before the, the arrest. This is before the last supper. What work did he complete? I want to know what work was. It wasn't the healings. Because Elijah healed people and raised people from the dead. What was it? Because it bugged, me, it bugged me for years, 21 years exactly. Yes, last week. 21 years. It bugged me. And I, I have an idea. Yeah, he did this. He spoke about the kingdom. And as I was teaching this, and, and the Lord said, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, what are you, which one is it? And I'm just reading this, and I've completed the work that you've sent me to do. What is the work that he completed? He hasn't gone to the cross yet. You know what the work was? To come and marry his bride. He came to propose to the bride, say, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to fulfill it on the cross. He's the bridegroom, and we're the bride. What did he complete? That he was willing to go. Because in the spirit, the Bible says the lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world. If there was no world yet, Christ was slayed. Work that one out. Here, he's come to get his bride. Because I've set him up. I've taught him whatever I can teach him and now I'm ready to die for him. I'm ready to make the covenant blessing. I'm ready to die them. So out of me can come rivers of living water to the springing of life. When someone has a baby, what do they call the baby? An offspring. Springing. Christ had to die that his life can be in us so we can flow through him. He flows through us, the Holy Spirit teaches us. You see, in the Old Testament, the, the imagery was about that the great marriage in the Old Testament wasn't a man and a woman. The Old was about God and Israel. Always. And I can tell you a story after story where he, he uses marriage analogies about what she's doing against him. 
what he would do for her, what the children would do for him. And here Jesus is at the well with the Samaritan woman. And she's freaking out that he knows everything about her. You know what she does? She goes back. You know what she does? The guy exposes her. Let's go back to the natural now. She's got five husbands and the one she's with is not her husband. She doesn't leave the church offended like some people here when they get a word from the Lord and they get offended. She didn't get offended. She left her bucket and ran to the city and says, come and see the guy who's told me everything I've done. And they go, we already know what you've done. Look at the heart of her. She had an encounter face to face with living water. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. Instead of getting, oh, well, why would God? I've had people come for prayer and God share a word and they leave offended. I say, oh, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I said something wrong. I ring them back. Sorry, bro. Look, why are you offended this now? And uh, I go, and after a while we're talking, you know, you know sorry, you know, sometimes we get it wrong. He goes, no, you didn't get it wrong. I'm, just, I'm upset that you know about it. So what I said to you was right. Yeah. And you believe God told me about it? He goes, yeah. And that's going to save your life? He goes, yeah. Why are you offended? True story. Happens all the time. They get offended because they get exposed. Why did you come up for prayer? Like Rap says all the time, what did you come up for prayer for? If you're coming up for me to pray, don't bother coming. But if you don't believe the Holy Spirit speaks, it's like you can hide from God. I'm going to do this in secret. God won't know. Oh my God, you told him. Had a young guy years ago. He met a girl and he came out of the gangs in New Zealand. He was heavy duty. Well, let's put it that way. And he came out of the gangs in New Zealand and he, was, he started to work with me. He started to come to church. And he, was, oh, he got his life sorted out. Amazing young man. Where he came from and where he is. And he said to me, I want to get married. I want to find a girl. That's good. That's a good thing. And every day coming, I'm asking God, nothing's happening. God's not going to drop a catalogue from heaven <laughs> and flick through the pages to marry a wife, all right? Relax. Because the wife that you want is still his daughter. And until you get right, he's not going to give you to her because he's not going to destroy her life to make you happy. Yeah, bro. And I was hoping that the old gang member doesn't come back out. Oh, she stabbed me, you know? <laughs> and he went, he came and this and that, and he found a girl. Praise God, brought it to her. And he, where'd you find her? The pub. But that's not the point. The point is, okay, well, you're going to do this right before God? Yes, do this right before God. And he didn't do it right. This is not one, this is many. They went and took the advice of the world, not the advice of their pastor, and now she's pregnant, and now they want to get married, and it's all back to front. And he's, but he, this guy was too scared to tell me. And the girl said, he's too scared to tell you. I said, isn't that sad that you're more scared of me than God? You are more scared of me and what I think about you than what you would thought God would think about you. Be married having a great life. Don't get me wrong. God restores all things. But I'm just trying to tell you that if you want to push the bucket and do it your way and ignore what God's trying to do because otherwise you're going to drink from a world that's bitter. I want a good marriage. What are you sowing into that marriage? I want a good business. What are you sowing into? I want good kids. What are you sowing into the kids? See, it's up to you. Is rivers of living water flowing out or is it because I just want to be happy? But a lot of people come to me, I'm lonely. Good, find God and get over loneliness. Don't go find a partner because all you do is you're going to destroy her or you're going to destroy him. I used to have friends here today. False gods will always leave us thirsty. Jesus, the living water, wells up in us forever. But every time you go off and you want to eat and drink of something that, and make a covenant and marry into something that's not you, guess what happens? There's this bitterness that comes. Never, I want more. I want more. You see, I want more of Jesus. I don't want more of the world. I don't want more. See, we don't worship idols like, we, like these guys. But our idol is now, I want, a, I want a marriage. Or I want a car. Or I want a house. And they're all those things. See, material things aren't wrong. But they're wrong if they own you. Some people work harder for their car than they work for the Lord. I want a car. I want to go on holiday. I want to do all those things. 
but they're not the forefront of my life. If your prayer life is about your next holiday and next car, and then, no, no, your prayer life should be, Lord, show me your glory. Because I'll get everything else when I get his glory. When Lot and, and, and Abraham were punching on, because they had the land and their workers were punching on and the cattle were going, crossing over. He said, we can't live like this. He said, Lot, you pick what you want. He says, you pick. Abraham says, you pick. So he, what he does, he looks around, sees the best land near the best city. He goes, I want that. He goes, take it. Abraham got the rubbish. But Abraham knew that God will bless me no matter where I go. He knew I want to get blessed because oh, this is good for a blessing. So they go get the blessings for them instead of getting God who gives the blessing. And Abraham says, do what you want. Then he got himself in trouble. He had to go and save him. And here, the Samaritan woman, instead of getting offended, instead of saying, who are you? Instead of saying, you know, she goes and tells everyone. And you know what? If you read, keep reading, a revival breaks out in Samaria. And she led the revival. And he was able to bring Samaria back, Samaria back as his bride. I want to ask you something. How many idols have you got before God? Or how many things have you put before God? Or you've said, God, you know what? You and them, come together. We do it very easily in many different ways. Very easy. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, see, Jesus was the full embodiment of God. He went out of his way to go to Samaria. You know, Jesus went out of his way to get you. He went out of his way to touch your heart. Now, there's two things that can happen here today. Great story and not receive a thing. Or you can be like her and saying, wow, he didn't come to condemn me. He confronted me. He exposed me, but he didn't condemn me. Isn't it interesting? He said, we've got no food. I'm, I'm weary. And he says, go get food. So all the disciples went. Isn't it funny? They had, all 12 of them had to go. Because <laughs> if that were there, that would have destroyed that. He says, go and get food. And this says, when they got back and saw him talking to the woman, they said, no one dared to tell him, why are you talking to that girl? Maybe he's false. I mean, look, he's chatting up girls in the world, you know. They said, oh, but they're too scared to ask him. And then they said, are you hungry? He goes, I have food that you know nothing about. And they go, is someone feeding you, you reckon? <laughs> Read the story. All 12 went to go get a burger. Because Jesus separates the world and separates religion just to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. Imagine they all surrounded her. She would have just done a runner. Can I say something to you? The people around you are important, but the relationship with God is more important. If the people around you are preventing you from getting to one-on-one, -on -one, get rid of the people. Amen. And they could be believers too. Because whatever you make a covenant with, you drink and eat from. I'm not saying, you know what, you're not good for me, you're not good for me. Good. No, no, what I'm saying is, it's too precious, my relation with God, for you to take it off me, or for you to take it off me, or for you to take it off me. I desire Him more than life. But if I get Him, I can relate to my wife better. I can relate to my children better. I can relate to you better. See, I don't relate to you because I'm gifted. I relate to you because He's my Father, and I want to share my Father with you. Because we're in covenant with Him. I hope this, someone's getting this. They married five, they had five pagan gods. Isn't it interesting? You've got five husbands. He was saying, Samaria has five husbands. And the one you're with is not your, you've had five husbands, sorry. Now the one you're with, you see, the law can't save you. Let's go back. Let's look at how the Holy Spirit marries them all up together. They had five pagan gods, all right? Now the Samaritan, uh, the good Samaritan comes to get the guy they got beaten up on the side of the road. And the Bible says the priest came and saw him and kept walking. And then the, the teacher of the law, the one who's expert of the Jewish law, came and, and walked straight past him. But then the good Samaritan to the Jews are outcast, inbred, pagan worshippers. Came and says he had mercy on him. And he put, what did he do? First thing he did, he, he, um, he put uh, um, wine on his cuts and bandaged him up. And then he, put, um, then he put oil on him. And then he picked him up and put him on his donkey. Then he took him to the inn and left him with the innkeeper and said, here, here's two denaries or two silver coins. And here, look after him. To, and if, when I return, if there's anything else to be paid, I'll pay it in full when I return. And he's telling this story. 
Because her sixth husband was the law, the, the Jewish law, the, the Mosaic law. And Jesus, if you look at the analogy, he's saying, even that is not your husband because that can't save you. Because when the priest came, he's a symbolic of religion. Religious people who have the nice gear, the nice PhDs, they can't save you. The priest came, couldn't save him. The law, the rules. Don't do this and don't do that. And don't eat this and don't eat that. And don't look like this and don't dress like that. They walked past and they couldn't save him. But who saved him? A half-caste Jew. Jesus was a half-caste Jew. Jesus' father was not of this earth. He was from the Father of heaven. He was considered a bastard child to the Jews because there was a rumor going around that Mary fell pregnant from the Holy Spirit. But really, we know what happened. And Jesus was, that picture of the Good Samaritan is the picture of Jesus. What did he do? He brought wine, speaks of the blood of Jesus. He, banged, he heals our diseases. He put oil, he anoints us with the Holy Spirit. He carries us and put us on a donkey, which means he carries our burdens. And then he takes us where? To the innkeeper. The Holy Spirit is the indweller. And he says, now I'm going to leave the church with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to prepare a place. I'll give you two silver coins. Two represent, silver represents redemption. But when I return, I'll pay it in full. Speaks of his second coming. He's coming back, people. He's coming back for a bride. Amen? Put those all together. Let the Holy Spirit teach you what happens now. We're married. I'm a man. I'm a bride. You're a son of God. I'm not talking about physical. I'm not talking about natural. He's talking about spiritual. We are the body. He's the head. We are the bride. He's the bridegroom. He's coming back for his bride. Are you ready? Whether he comes tomorrow or a hundred years, I'm waiting to see that, Lord. But while I'm waiting, the Bible says, occupy till I come. Occupy means keep doing what I've asked you to do till I return. But be ready. Be filled with the oil. That's why the ten virgins, five were foolish and five were wise. Are you wise? If you're wise, if you're really wise, you stay in his presence. Don't marry foreign gods. Don't listen to your flesh. Just give away that life. At least tell God, help me. See, when you, if you get convicted in an area of your life, say, thank you, Jesus, because he's still on your case. You know where the sad place is? When you stop getting convicted, you see the Holy Spirit's lifted his hand off you. That's the worst place to be. See, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I've had to look at certain people that I've listened to over the years, which I love dearly. Uh, certain ministers, certain ministries, and they're all doing the work of God, but God had to drop them one by one. Why? Because they became an idol in my life. You see, I'm in covenant with him. I'm in covenant with you. And see, there's a falling away happening. And every day I hear another, how could he say that? That's not even scriptural, falling away. How can he even teach that? That's not even biblical. And you don't even need to be a scholar to know that was wrong. I think they're deceived. How can great men, can great men that have seen the dead raised now speak error and, and live in a sin life when you've seen the dead raised? And I think to myself, but then I look at this and I say they put their children through the fire. I'm not talking they were drinking and smoking and having and They are throwing their kids in a fire. Because that's how deceived you can be if you walk away from your true love. And you become bitter, drinking bitter water. You're actually drinking poison. But I'm here to encourage you today. This Samaritan woman had no hope, really. Because what's the point? She knew the law. She understood more. I worship here, you worship there. The Bible says this. She knew what she was talking about. But she also knew her ancestors had defiled themselves. And you know what Jesus says? There's coming a good time, and now is the time. And now is the hour where you worship God in spirit and in truth. And I am he who you're talking about. You know, he's here. You know the word, can we go to the last bit of that, um, John? Go to John chapter, verse 26, I think it is, on, of chapter 4. And I'll finish it, finish off with that. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You know when Jesus says, I am? Remember when they came to arrest him? You can play the music if you want. We're going to close off, AJ. But leave the lights on. Don't turn the lights off. When they said, 
They came marching to arrest Jesus. What did they say to Jesus? What did he say to them? Who do you seek? He seek Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, I am he. But the translation says, I am, and they all fell over. Why didn't he just go? The power of God came through him when he said, I am. Who, who also said, I am, in the Bible? Moses. When they, when, sorry, when Moses asked the burning bush and said, go get my people. But who are you? Who do I say you are? He goes, I am who I am. And then they're trying to kill Jesus because he says, oh, Abraham's our father. Because I am before Abraham. And they wanted to kill him because you're trying, what do you mean? We are children from God. He goes, you're from God. The word I am speaks of God. It says in the Hebrew, if you look at the original Hebrew, it says Anahua. Anahua in Arabic and in Aramaic means I'm he. Not just I am, I'm he. Here he says, here, go back to that verse, please. Sorry. Go back to that verse. He says, the one that, because if you read it earlier, he says, we know that the Messiah, the Christ is coming and he will tell us all things. And he says, he'll show us all things and teach us all things and then we'll know the truth. He says, Anahua. Her mind blew then. Anahua. I'm he. Not just I am something. I'm he. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm your true husband. I'm your true God. I'm your true father. I'm your true healer. I'm your true deliverer. I am he. If you get nothing else, get that, that I am he is living in you. Religion will tell you you're not good enough. He doesn't know. Don't be silly. What do you mean you talk to God or that? You know what? Tell them to go to hell because that's where they're going. I got tried to get talked out of my faith all my life. From the minute I got saved to now, they're still trying to talk me out of it. But what? When I've tasted from the heavenly good, how can I go back to stale bread? I'm saved, set free. You can do whatever you want. But I've seen the hand of God touch people. When I'm walking through a job site and a guy says, speak to that guy, he's about to commit suicide. I could have kept going, ah, man, I'm too busy. Speak to the guy and he was going to commit suicide. This is the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. See, if we're going to stay victims and look for things, listen to me, it's time to grow up and say, you know what, our father loves us. He's done everything for us. Let's receive what he's got. Stop. I preach a big God and a small devil. You tell me about how big your devil is, I'll tell you how big my God is and see who wins. Because nine times out of ten, you always tell me your problems or what the devil's doing to you. So tell me what God's doing for you, man. See, there's two things that happen here. The devil's on your case because you've allowed him. You've allowed him. You've opened that door. To her, he didn't say to her, she wasn't sinning. He didn't say to her, he says, yeah, you go, tell me. She goes, I don't have a husband. He says, you spoke the truth. He told her, you spoke the truth. And he says, and the one you're with is not your husband. Do you know what he was saying to her? The true husband standing here. She had six, yeah? What's Jesus' number? Seven. Seven means perfection, completion. Jesus' number is seven. Why is it seven important? Six days God worked, on the seventh day he rested. Man was created on the sixth day. On the man's first day on earth was a day of rest. You know what it means, rest? Put my feet up. Not that, that's not always, the word rest is shalom, peace. We need to have the peace of God inside us through every situation. Because that woman was not in peace until she understood he was the Messiah. She ran and told the whole world her problems, what he told her about her problems, and the, a revival broke out. Listen to me. The quicker you get to the point that, oh, I'm set free, I'm delivered. He's one, he loves me, he wants me. God wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to talk to him. That's the truth. But guess who puts an obstacle, a stumbling block in your way? Religion, sin. But you know the biggest problem? You. You have these preconceived ideas like she did. But God says, I'm going to break all those because now you can worship God in spirit and in truth. Can we stand? God is not out to get you. God has not lost control. God is waiting for you to rise up in faith because it's impossible to please God without faith. You don't please God because you gave money to the poor. 
You don't please God because you don't sin. You don't, that doesn't please God. That doesn't please God one little iota. You know what pleases God? Faith. Not faith that, Lord, I need a job. He gives me a job. Lord, I need a car. He gives me a car. Can we just leave the lights on? Sorry. You can dim them, but leave the lights on. Because I, I, I just want to... I don't want anyone to hide anymore. Sorry, I should have told you. I didn't tell you. See, faith isn't like, oh, I've got faith. Someone got sick and I believed. I've got faith. And you say, oh, Lord, I believed for Keldon and he got healed. And oh, Yeah, but I healed him at the cross. What's the faith that God pleases? What, what faith pleases God? What faith pleases God? If the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith, what is that faith? Is to know that you have been set free by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Once I know that, everything runs from that. Everything runs from that. I'll finish off with this. Jesus on the cross. You know the story. His last words is, Father, into your hands I give you my spirit. And he gives up, he gives up the ghost. And in those days, they wanted the bodies off the... They used to leave them there for two, three days to be tortured. They says they usually break their kneecaps so they can't hold themselves up anymore. So they can still struggle and then they suffocate and die. They found Jesus already dead and they were surprised because no one takes his life. He lays it down freely. No one can take his life. The prophecy says not one bone will be broken. So they went to break his knees. They said, he's dead. So they got a spear and they speared him through the side. It would have went straight through the side into his heart. And the Bible says blood and water came out. Blood and water. We are born from blood and water. What was birthed that moment? What was the symbolic? Naturally, when someone dies, the blood and the, and the liquids of your body separate. So he was really dead. It wasn't just, oh, people say, no, he wasn't really dead. No. Where was man made? What was, where did Eve come from? The side of, the, they say a rib, but I believe it's the whole rib cage. Eve was, God created man, and woman came from man. From Eve came from the side of man. So the, Adam's bride, Adam's bride, Eve, came from him, from his side. Jesus birthed the church that day on the cross. When he was stabbed through the side, water and blood. What does the Bible says? You are born from water and from blood. When you are born again into his life, we become the bride of Christ. And then that rivers of living water will flow in through you like a spring. Let me say it this way. You're an offspring of him if you trust in him. But how do you get there? Through faith. What's the faith? That Jesus Christ in him crucified. There's coming a time on this earth they're going to take away the crucifixion, the Messiah complex. The, there'll be no more Messiah. It'll be just Jesus. And that's, when the, that's the falling away from the church. That's coming. The Bible says before the Antichrist, before the last days, before all this, is there's a falling away. It's here. The Antichrist spirit is here. And it's Christ in Him crucified. And out of that comes the rivers of living water. It's only about Him. And He's come into covenant with us. And He loves you. You have to, make, you have to be settled in the fact that Christ loves you. Every other voice that's contrary to that is a lie from the pit of hell. Why do you know if it's God? Is it biblical? Is it? No. I don't know if I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. Obviously, you're not. Why? Because everything is negative. Everything is problems. Everything is woe me. But what about what He's done for you? That's what pleases God. What pleases God? That He loves me. If you can get that, you need as small as a mustard seed. If you get that, your whole world will change. You stop looking for deliverance. You say, thank you for my deliverance. You stop looking for healing. Thank you for my healing. Stop looking for provision. Thank you for my provision. Stop looking for sonship and daughtership. Thank you for my father. All comes out of the cross. If you don't know him like that, it's time to know him. But I want you to finish off with this. He's come to marry his bride. We are his bride. And no matter how many husbands we've had, how many wives we've had, it means nothing to him. But when we come under the blood of Jesus and we surrender our life to him, guess what? All things become new.
And that's the living water He wants to come out of us. You'll never thirst with Him. You drink from a well that never runs dry. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. I pray that God brings out the Scripture. I pray. I'm doing a series soon called The, the, Fla- the Fire and the Flame. One fire, many flames. We need to get a hold of what God's trying to teach us. It's, it's time to accelerate our learning. But it comes not because you do more. It comes if you desire more. You get what you desire. You get, if you're hungry, you eat. If you're not hungry, you won't eat. Stay hungry in the things of God. All right? We're not perfect. No one is. This is about if God's placed you here, God is taking us somewhere. God is just building a foundation so deep because there are many. I've got some brothers in the Lord that are falling like flies. I don't know why, why what they've done, where they've gone, but I'm telling you now, we're not going to fall because we love Him and He loves us. And we're going to stand firm in the things of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. And for those listening online, we love you. Time is short. I'm not a scaremongering preacher. I'm a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm an edifier. I like to edify, lift you up. But I always got to tell you the truth. Stop playing with the devil's garbage and stop. Bring down your idols. There's only one true God. His name is Jesus. Give your life to Him tonight, right now. Surrender your heart to Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you because it's a matter of life and death. It's not a matter of, oh, I feel good or I feel bad. No, who cares? I don't feel good all the time. I don't want to be here sometimes. It's not what I want. It's what He wants. And when Him, listen to me, what comes out of your mouth? Life or death? If someone's robbing life off you, cut them off. Cut them off. I feel bad. You're going to feel worse if you don't cut them off. Don't let the enemy, don't let emotions, don't let... Don't, don't let the flesh control your... It's by faith we walk, amen? We don't walk in hatred and judgment. We walk in love. Truth in love. Amen? We love you guys. Have a great weekend. Amen.